0: Welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number five. And I have four stories for you today. And the last story is from January the 28th, 2021. And story number one comes from Theo. I would like to state before I start off that our family had never believed in ghosts before about five years ago. We had moved house to a rented property while we waited for the completion of our new house. The rented property was a new build on one of these small estates with around 10 properties on the close. The close was called Holy Cross Close and had been named after the stately home that had burnt down some 50 years earlier. We moved into the house that was right in the middle of the estate. I've never been scared or spooked out by much in my life except for this house. It just had something odd about it. The way everything was shady and dark even when you looked from the outside in. It got even worse when you entered the property. The walls were thin and it was always cold. Standard in a spooky house, I know. And that was despite the fact that the heating would bang away throughout the day. The layout of the house was bizarre as well, with a lot of right-angled corridors and dark rooms. It just had the chills about it. We obviously didn't realise how spooky this place would become. After about a month of living in the house we started to notice weird things such as items moving or vanishing and turning up in different places. We also had a cat at the time which used to meow and watch something walk around the house and follow it. We thought nothing of it at the time as the cat was fairly old and we thought it was starting to go mad. However, the cat then started to disappear off upstairs and sit by my mum and dad's walk-in wardrobe cupboard doors and just stare. Again, we thought nothing of it at the time, but I always found this place chilling, as it didn't have a light and was always dark even on a bright day. We moved out of the house after only four months there, and we thought nothing more about it. Until I walked into the kitchen of our new house and overheard a conversation about a lady my dad had seen while living there. I begged him to tell the story, but he said he would never say as it scared him so much. My dad doesn't scare easily or spook easily, however he said it gave him the chills to think about it. I managed, however, to coax the story out of him after telling him about this podcast, and here it is. It was a weekday night and as per usual my parents went to bed at around 10.30 just after the news. My mum went straight to sleep and my dad read for another half an hour and then turned in himself. He then states that he woke around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning feeling intimidated by something like he was about to experience a fight. He rolled over to look at his watch and in the walk-in wardrobe cupboard he saw a white female torso sticking out the top of the cupboard. He states that she was talking to him, just looking intently at him with a cross facial expression. My dad being the person that he was, got up out of bed and went to see if it was real. Surprisingly, it disappeared before he could get close enough to get a proper look. He went back to bed, only to be woken again at around 4am to the same feeling. The woman was again looking at him, and this time he stayed in bed and studied her. She stopped and looked at him for another 30 seconds before moving back into the cupboard. He never saw this lady again while living in the house. However, this was not the end of the saga, as we later found out that my dad was not the only man on the estate to have seen this woman. Having confirmed that he wasn't drunk, ill or imagining it, my mum did some research and found some disturbing information. It turns out the Lord of Holy Cross Manor had a wife that he used to beat, starve and lock in a cupboard as punishment. She died in a cupboard from malnutrition and illness. This today is the only ghost encounter our family has experienced but by far more terrifying by the fact that it's backed up by an article and a story. Right, because if I was that dad I would definitely be thinking I'm dreaming or... It's sleep paralysis or whatever. And then to find out that a, that a woman was kept in a cupboard and starved. Like if you were ever going to haunt anywhere. Or if anyone were aware was ever going to hold emotional distress. That cupboard would be it. And if you were ever going to haunt people it would be men. If you had experience that while you were alive. Oh. And then to see her twice. Like I don't know if people have two sessions of sleep paralysis in one night like I, I genuinely don't know if that's a thing or if you only have it once and that oh I have no idea but that is. That is freaky and I I don't know if it makes it worse or better when you find out a story that validates what happened. And story number two comes from Tiana. I don't really know where to start because I have a lot of stories. but I guess I'll start back to when I was 15 or 16 and I would spend a lot of time at my best friend Neve's house. I always felt really weird there, and so did she. I would especially hate the bathroom. I would make her stand outside if I needed to go, and that's how much I hated it. One day, I was sat in her bedroom talking with her, and I saw her sister running around in the hallway. I asked her sister what she was doing, and my friend was like, What are you talking about? She's at her dad's. I absolutely shat myself because I could have sworn I had seen her, But then I just thought I was going crazy. Another time I was also at Neve's house and I was staying for the night. As I was laying down, my line of vision meant that I could see under the wardrobe. And as I was just looking, I saw a white milky hand from underneath it. I shat my pants once again and made my friend go downstairs with me because I was definitely not sleeping after that. This one is a little more weird. We were definitely 16 at the time. Neve's mum had just died and she was left to sort the house out and I couldn't bear to leave her to do it by herself. While packing things away we kept hearing what sounded like a baby babbling but we brushed it off. After a few days we were practically done packing everything away and moving things when we decided that we would smash up some old drawers that she didn't want to take with her. While she was doing that we heard giggling which we brushed off. And then we heard a baby scream. But it was almost like the baby was in pain. It sounded like it was right next to us. We looked at each other and just fucked off right down the street. When I was 10 years old, my uncle was in the hospital because he was dying of cancer. So my mum would visit him regularly. I was stopping at my dad's one night when I started to hear my uncle's laugh. And I knew that he had died. It was like he was telling me everything was okay. In a matter of seconds, the phone rang, and it was my mum phoning to say that he had died. When I was 16, I got pregnant and was really worried about how I was going to cope. I had a dream that I was sat with that uncle, and he was saying sorry for not actually being with me, but that everything would be okay and he would be watching me. I am now 21 with a beautiful daughter who will be turning four this year, and I like to believe he is my guardian angel absolutely yes to a guardian angel story you know we love a guardian angel story i can never get enough of them they make me really happy and i do i just like i always say i like to think that our loved ones can come back and look after us and say hey i'm looking out for you and protect us when we need to i mean how yeah it just makes things just makes makes loss a little bit easier when you think about it like that can i just say about the baby screaming no don't don't want that what was going on there that is such a bizarre thing to happen although I uh, woke up the other night at around, I think it was like four o'clock in the morning and there was a woman screaming outside of my window and I was lying there for a while and I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is that? And I got up and looked out the window, couldn't see anything. And then I thought, did I just, was it some sort of like auditory hallucination? Was it sleep paralysis, paralysis-y? I have a lodger at the moment. And when I saw him the next day, I said, did you hear anything? Did you hear a woman screaming last night? He said, no. And then I thought, oh, it's definitely just me. Anyway, got into bed the night after and i heard all this screaming again and i'm pretty sure it was a squirrel like a squirrel that's if you ever google squirrel screaming and look it up on youtube because they are distressing that is not a good sound pretty sure it was a squirrel anyway that's beside the point i don't think the baby sound that you heard was a squirrel but i'm just saying animals can make very strange noises and story number three comes from jamie My name is Jamie and I'm from Connecticut in the US. I need to start by saying that I'm the biggest chicken, baby or scaredy cat you'll probably ever meet. One day at work I was in a spooky mood as Halloween was approaching and somehow came across real life ghost stories and I've been listening ever since. Now it's known among family members and friends that I am the easiest person to scare. Whether you're hiding behind a corner, waiting for a good show when you jump out... Or you literally slowly walk into my room to ask me a question. I'm on guard 24-7. In fact, the night before I wrote this, I literally heard my brother walking towards my room, quite normally, as if to come in and tell me something like he usually does, and I had already turned off my light to go to bed. As he walked in, I screamed, Oh my God! Oh my God, no! As if the ghosts from your podcast were at the door. I believed it all started when I watched the Michael Jackson thriller music video at a very young age. I think many people can attest to being traumatised by that. The weirdest part is that throughout college, I was always in charge of the ghost stories on away trips for our field hockey team. I would tell these crazy stories of the history of our haunted university, haunted places in the state like Fairfield Hills, or a few of my own horrifying paranormal encounters. I was good at telling stories, but was horrified each and every time. I've had plenty of positive, angelic experiences but also a few darker ones that I refuse to talk about in detail anymore. I really didn't even know that these were those type of experiences until I listened to your show. I was listening to one particular story and thought to myself, wow that sounds just like the time… oh god. And then I realised I had some pretty serious experiences. So here's my story that I've sworn never to talk about. There is a photo to go with it and I'll do my best to find it. In my town, there's this road called Velvet Drive... ...that everyone calls Dracula Drive. It's in an odd part of town... ...tucked away lining a reservoir that usually has a guard... ...to ensure people don't fish or swim. This road feels like it was carved into the side of a hill. To the right were a few homes and an odd church... ...but for the most part it's an empty road. As you pass the part... With the houses, it turns to gravelly dirt. The trees lining the road stretch up and over it, entangling themselves with the ones lining the other side. You couldn't see up, and not much light could come through. The property down the hill is large and covered in foliage and ground cover. This is the site that fuels nightmares. Apparently, there used to be an old insane asylum down the hill, and one of their more unhinged residents set the place on fire, It burnt down, allowing some of the residents to escape and others to perish. It's been said that these people created their own community in the hills and rocky caverns of Velvet Drive. They were called the Melonheads. Here's a little bit from the internet. There are several primary Connecticut variations. According to one variation of the myth... Fairfield County was the location of an asylum for the criminally insane that burnt down in the fall of 1960, resulting in the death of all of the staff and most of the patients, with 10 to 20 inmates unaccounted for, supposedly having survived and escaped to the woods. The legend states that the Melonheads' appearance is the result of them having resorted to cannibalism in order to survive the harsh winters of the region and to inbreeding, which in turn caused them to develop hydrocephalus. Some retellings of this version substitute the asylum or prison with places of business or campgrounds, and the inmates or patients with employees, staff or campgoers. Individual variations will modify what town these individuals were originally from and where they end up. According to the second variation, the Melonheads are descendants of a colonial-era family from Shelton Trumbull who were banished after accusations of witchcraft were made against them, causing them to retreat to the woods. As with the first variation of this legend, this variation attributes the appearance of the Melonheads to inbreeding. Melonheads allegedly prey upon humans who wander into their territory. Like the first version, individual retellings will modify what town the family was originally from and where they ended up. So the legend has it that if you drive down late at night to the middle of Velvet Drive and you get out of the car, keep the headlights on and take a photo, they'll show up. Their spirits will surround the car and show themselves to you, but later. Only when you're off their road and in your own space. So naturally, as idiot kids, we went... And it was against every fibre in my being to do this. Driving down, you feel this weight. We could have cut the air in the car with a knife. I started shaking and almost crying and yelling that we get this over with. We drove halfway down. I had my eyes closed the whole time and got out of the car. The headlights were on, the car was parked, and me and my friends stayed in the car while the guys got out to stand in front. We took the photo, looked quick, saw nothing and I felt so relieved. We left thinking that wasn't so bad and went to get ice cream. We ordered and all sat down and decided to take a look at the picture. My friend pointed at one side and said, Hey, what's this? I thought he was joking so I went back to my ice cream and then he said, And this? I grabbed it and started looking for myself. The longer I looked, the more ghoulish green faces popped up. They were surrounding the car and us. They were of different shapes and sizes. To my horror, there was one in the car, popping its head between my friend and me. They had long faces, large black eyes and sharp, jagged teeth in a grin that could make you cry. The toddler behind me decided to have a tantrum and start to scream and I jumped out of my skin and said I wanted to go home. They dropped me off, and I ran to wake up my mother and tell her what happened. I showed her the photo and the colour left her face. She slowly raised her hand to her mouth and looked at me and said, "'Delete that off your phone. Go to your room, say your prayers, and ask for protection, and your brother will sleep in your room tonight.' I nearly fainted. I've been the quietest, calmest child, led the most boring life, and here I am wondering how I even put myself in that position.' My brother slept on the little sofa in my room for about a week until I felt I was okay. I will never go back to Dracula Drive, and I pray for the souls that are feeling so lost there. That was also so much scarier than I remember now that it's written down. So I have a nicer story if anyone needs it. When I was 13, my 15-year-old sister abruptly went in for a routine appendectomy. Long story short, something went horribly wrong. And she left the surgery in a coma. We were able to see her and say our goodbyes and about a week later a few days before Christmas she passed away. She was the purest kindest human that loved her family in the best kind of way. A couple of days after she passed I was still in shock. I was going to bed and I laid down with the lights off and I asked her to let me know that she was okay. I begged for some small sign to let me know since we didn't get a proper goodbye, and suddenly I felt a light, kind hand on my shoulder. Thinking it was my mom, I turned around, but no one was there. I said, Sis, I love you and thank you, but maybe don't do that again? I know it can be scary hearing these kinds of stories, but when the spirit is pure and made of light, they make sure that you have no fear. The next morning, my mom's perfume bottle was twisted in a way where it reflected a metal square on a photo of my sister, but just her smile. She was letting us know that she was alright. Ooh boy howdy, there is so much to unpack. I've never said that before in my life. Have I ever said that before? Why have I suddenly said that? Anyway, there is so much to unpack here. The melon heads, I think, is something that people have messaged me about before, like the legend, I mean. And I think that that story, that escaped lunatic asylum, living in the woods story is quite common in rural areas. I don't know. However, that does not explain the picture. Now, I have contacted Jamie and asked Jamie to send me the picture if they can. So if they have sent me the picture, I will post it on Instagram and on Facebook and on Patreon. So have a little wander over there and see if the picture is there if there is a picture it will be posted as a, at the same time as the episode so i'm hoping there will be a picture there because i really want to see it i really want to see it isn't it funny too how teenagers just seek these things out and that is a that's a prerequisite of being a teenager i think is is just seeking these things out living on the edge you know pushing the boundaries of mortality of our understanding of the world but if it wasn't for teenagers doing all this stupid shit i would not have half of the stories that i do for this podcast so It's all good in my eyes, as long as you're safe and and don't get murdered in the wilderness, then I'm happy about it. And I am sure that there are many, many people listening to this story that will resonate with the story of losing your sister, which is horrendous. And also resonate with the feeling of being visited by those loved ones that you lose. And story number four comes from Ethan. My family and I most definitely have had our fair share of bizarre paranormal happenings throughout our lives, and most recently, I had one of the strangest experiences of my life when I went off to join the military early this year. I've been debating for a solid minute now whether or not to share any of my experiences my family and I have had in the past, but this recent event for sure I had to share with you. First, I must disclose that at the time this had happened to me, I had just joined the US military, so I can't give away any real names or the particular place this took place at. So the strange event that occurred to me happened just a few days into being quarantined in a small old barracks out in the middle of nowhere. There were two floors to the building, and each floor had a group of guys living on it. Both floors had a door to it that would be locked at night, and every night one of us had to stand watch during the night. Standing watch is basically standing guard, making sure nothing happens during the night or that no one does anything stupid. Each level of the building had a group of other quarantining sailors in it, but there was no interaction with the floor above us. We rarely ever saw them, and they rarely ever saw us. We could only interact with the other guys on our floor, and we weren't allowed to leave the building, so quarantine was pretty dang boring. Every day, we pretty much sat in our beds doing nothing except for talking to each other from across the room. Most of the time, it was so loud that we'd be told to shut the fuck up, and then it would be almost impossible to do so. My group was pretty rowdy, so shutting up almost never happened. One day, one of the guys on my floor, just for shits and giggles, decided it would be a great idea to bring up skinwalkers. Me, on the other hand, having been terrified by those tales as a kid by my grandmother, was far from interested in talking about them. This guy couldn't stop talking about skinwalkers. Bob just went on and on and on. He was non-stop talking about them. I didn't particularly understand his enthusiasm about something that used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. I didn't want to straight up tell him to shut up because in a small barracks full of guys with nothing else to do, I wasn't looking to make myself a target. So he continued with his discussion about them. Eventually, he said the name so much that it started to make me a bit nervous, knowing that if you say their name, it summons them. And if you think about them constantly, it gives them power over you. So I had it with him. Dude, just shut up, stop talking about them, I told him. He looked at me, almost smirking. I knew right then and there that I had made a huge mistake. Soon everyone was yelling, not talking, but yelling Skinwalker at me. So there I went and made myself a target. The rest of the afternoon was then full of the rest of the guys non-stop talking about skinwalkers. After a while I just didn't care anymore and they soon realised that their fun was over. The next few nights would then become strange ones, if not terrifying for some of us. The following morning we got up and did our normal routine, brushing teeth, showering, getting dressed, etc., but there was a strange lethargy that filled the air. For such a loud and crazy group like mine, no one was speaking to each other. For the whole day, there was a strange sensation that had come over us. Everyone in the room felt drained. Most of the guys barely moved. I felt like I was watching zombies in action. One of the guys even made a remark about how it was strange that everyone was feeling exhausted and no one had been talking all day. The very next morning, the strange sensation continued to leak out into the air and everyone felt drained of all their energy. The only change was that the guy who had the midnight watch that night was freaking out. We thought he was joking, but he explained that there was someone standing in the window of the door to our floor staring back at him, smiling the whole time that he was on watch. He claimed that they just stood there in front of the window smiling. And at one point, the figure waved to him, then went back to staring. We just reassured him that it was most likely one of the guys upstairs and not to worry about it, even though each floor was locked at night. In fact, the door was locked by one of our instructors each night, so no one had a key to unlock it and go staring at the guy on the watch. The next day, another guy who stood watch the night after was freaking out as well. He claimed that he saw someone too. He said he saw what looked like our main instructor standing outside the window staring back at him smiling. We all just shrugged this off. We just came to the conclusion that it was either their imaginations or someone was trying to fuck with us. But shrugging it off would soon change. For the next week everyone was having some sort of experience. Either seeing someone standing outside in front of them staring back at them smiling or hearing something moving around during the night. There were at least three instances that I can think of where multiple people were awake at night and heard footsteps walk from one side of our floor to the other. We all started to become very apprehensive of the late night watch. Eventually, as luck would have it, I would have a midnight watch. I was awoken in the middle of the night by my relief to assume my shift and I took my place at an old footlocker that was at least two feet in front of our closet where we kept all the cleaning supplies. This spot was near the front door with the window, where the last few midnight watches had seen someone standing. It had been moved somewhat, so it was not facing the front window, and to this I was relieved. I didn't have to worry about someone staring back at me from the other side of the door. It was a quiet night, and everyone was dead asleep. I made my first few rounds around the room, making sure that everyone was asleep, and when I finished, I sat myself back down on the footlocker and prepared for what I thought was about to be a long, boring night ahead of me. I remember sitting in the footlocker, just staring at the clock on the nearby wall, waiting for the hours to soon pass. Like I said, it was a quiet night, but something felt off about the stillness of the air. Most nights... You could hear at least some faint sound of the world outside the barracks, a train passing by in the distance, or a petty officer's car going down the main road, but there was nothing. Just the stillness of the stagnant air, the pitch black darkness of the room, and the strange feeling that something wasn't right. All of a sudden, out of the darkness, I heard a single laugh. It sounded almost like a cackle, it was loud as if there was someone standing in front of me in the darkness of the room. I got up and checked to find out who was awake. And there was no one. No one was awake. I quickly sat down on the footlocker. As soon as I had sat down, I heard two voices. One a man, and the other a woman's, coming from opposite sides of the room. The voices called out to me simultaneously. Hey. Hey, you. I froze, and then I immediately called out to them, Who's that? And the voices replied back with no hesitation, Don't worry. Just go get Bob. I just sat there on the footlocker for a moment, trying to comprehend where the voices were coming from. I looked around the room, scanning from one end to the other. I didn't want to get up and check who or what was there, hiding in the room among my sleeping shipmates. I thought someone might be playing a joke on me, so I slowly got myself up off the footlocker and walked slowly around the room, checking to see who might be messing with me. Everyone was asleep. No one was awake but me. I sat down on the footlocker and a moment later I heard a loud crash directly behind me. I turned around to see the cap of a shaving cream bottle spinning in a circle on the floor behind me, and I froze. For the rest of the night, I just sat there counting the hours until morning. It had never occurred to me until later that day that the voices had spoken in a cheerful tone, that they had no hesitation to respond when I asked them who they were, and that they spoke at the same time. That story has given me pure and utter chills. Oh. And in a way, I kind of think it's comeuppance for... The people who were laughing and joking about it and obsessively talking about it and then not respecting your boundaries when you said, hey, we need to not talk about this anymore. That is a big old, that is a big old nope. And I have seen, I saw a video recently on TikTok about a guy, a guy filmed it and he was in his bedroom and there was a voice, his own voice calling from him from another part of the house now like easily could have been manipulated created whatever but the way he if he made that up this whatever this voice was was really cheerfully calling to him being like hey come on no it's okay come and see me that kind of a voice and I that's what was in my head when I was reading that story that these voices were really lovely and cheerful and being like hey no it's okay just get Bob Bob's been talking about us and Bob's gonna get his comeuppance i can't oh Ugh. thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to theo tiana jamie and ethan for sending in your stories the last story today was from january the 28th 2021 and if you would like to send in your own story you can do so by emailing it to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can also check out our website real life stories and on that note i shall see you tomorrow